Welcome to the ministry of Mercy Seat Ministries and evangelist Pat and Karen Jackson. We believe that the message you are about to hear will mightily change your life. Open your heart, mind, and spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to move in you. We must declare it to the next generation. And I'll be honest with you, I don't want to get to heaven on my wedding day to, to, to the Lamb of God, and I don't want to walk into heaven and be out of place. I want to warn you that in the next couple of minutes as I begin to share this, uh, that the Holy Spirit may begin to uh, do something in you. And, and I said it last time, but the altars are open and we're just going to trust the Lord because there's such an open heaven here. But I must preach this word because he spoke this to me. And for some reason, he won't let me pull a message out of the file when I come here. He kind of, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I'm doing youth camps, trust me. And, and you, you, I've got hundreds. But, but he keeps saying to me, when you come into this house, I want to give you something for this moment. If you believe that, give him one more praise offering. Amen. <laughs> By the way, there's all kinds of stuff on our table back there. This Woman of Purpose series from Karen will just absolutely rock you. And it's all back there. I, I'm not very good at, at that type of thing. Open your Bibles, if you would, with me. And we're going to go to Psalms, the 18th chapter. And then we're going to go to Mark, the 14th chapter. And again, I, I'm kind of stuck to notes for just a moment because uh, it's they literally just printed this off. Have you ever felt like a waste? I think the number one spirit attacking a generation, young and old, is a spirit of despair to make people feel as if they really don't count. And we'll search everywhere for answers. We'll, we'll, we'll go and talk to people. We'll sit on a couch of a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a counselor and, 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 and they they have their place and, but it's trying to find it. It, it hits at, at 16 years old. It hits at 30 years old. It hits at 42 years old. It hits at 60 years old. It's a, it's kind of a wind of, of, of a cloud of heaviness that says, what, what am I here for? I'm going to be honest with you tonight. I'm going to get transparent because I spent years trying to lead uh, as a spiritual, quote, leader without a guide. Years trying to be a man without listening to the Father. Years with a minimal prayer life and ministry. Years of, of going off charisma and going off giftings. And years at feeling as a failure. And, and God broke that at, at the moment I had an audience of the one. At the moment, everything changed for me. It wasn't about crowds. I, I was working out one day. I, I do that once a year. And I, I was working out in the, in the, in the Lord, the, uh, the Lord said to me, He said, Pat, never desire to hear the cheer from the crowd, but listen for the cry from the cloud, those who have gone ahead of us. I honestly believe that God is so tired of sharing, sharing His glory with those of us that simply don't appreciate it. And when I walked out on the deck that day, or got ready to step through the sliding glass door there at the beach when we were on our vacation, we take a, a week every year. I've got 24 uh, events this summer, and so we take a week and we just get our mind right. And, and I go pray, and we just have fun, and, and I'm getting ready to step out the door, and the Lord said, No! 
don't interrupt her audience of one. The Bible says in Psalms 18, I'm going to read it from the Message Bible, but it says this. A hostile world, I call to God. I cry to God to help me. From his palace, he hears my call. My cry brings me right into his presence. A private audience. I love that verse. Let me read it again. A hostile world, I call. I call to God. I cry to God to help me. From his palace, he hears my call. My cry brings me right into his presence. My cry brings me right into his presence. My cry. You're only about 10 seconds away from the anointing at any given time. It doesn't matter if you're at work. It doesn't matter if you're at the mall. It doesn't matter if you're at school. If you'll just simply stop. Take just a moment. I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, why do we not see miracles like we should be seeing miracles? I watched two nights ago as I laid hands on a young man in Indiana and his spine came back into place and and I said, Lord, why are we not seeing those supernatural miracles? In fact, I, I, I love what Pastor Bunky said to me one day. And, and, and let me tell you what the Lord said to me. He said, it's, Pat, it's not that you don't have the anointing. It's that you don't take time with me. Because the anointing or that touch, that Old Testament, Moshiach, the New Testament, Creo, you can have it. But without him activating it, you're just a bottle of smelly oil is all you are. I asked Pastor Bunky, oh, let me finish reading this again. Uh, From his palace, he hears my cry. My cry brings me right into his presence. A private audience. In the next few minutes, we're going to have a private audience. It's going to be a different time at the altars. If God is desiring to pour his spirit out across Houston, let me tell you something. We can do all the outreaches we want. We can do the big events, and I believe in it. I love what this house does, what pastor, what they do. They take one day, and they everything possible to touch lives, hundreds and thousands of lives, whether it's medical, whether it's getting ready for school for kids. It's all. I love all of that. It, it is what the church is called to do. It is pure religion. If you read James 1.27, we must get back to that. Some, for some reason, the government decided they did our, they could do our job. But I'm going to tell you, the thing that will transform a city, even past that, is if you'll get a church to have an audience of one. A church that is hungry. A church that says, I want to spend time with my Jesus. And and I, I asked Pastor Bunky one time, because he goes to foreign nations, and he'll go to... Uh, Muslim nations, and they'll start out with a thousand people, but then by the end of the crusade, they'll have a hundred thousand. And he said there's been times where literally there was uh, uh, Muslim radical groups, I won't name them, but that uh, have had rifles pointed at him, dots on his forehead as they were pointed at him, wanting to take him out, and they could not fire the gun. And and I said, how? And he looks at me and he goes, Pat, he said, what I love teaching in Muslim nations is that Allah has never raised anybody from the dead. Allah's never healed anybody. So when someone gets healed and he becomes a personal God, and all of a sudden somebody raises from the dead, he becomes a personal God. He said, it transforms not just that person, but their whole family gets saved. Are you getting this? We must get back to the personal God. Give him a praise offering. Reminds me of the time I was in Louisiana. I was in, in, in Shreveport preaching at a great church. It was a Tuesday night. God was moving mightily. And, and all of a sudden, this woman comes walking down the aisle in the middle of my service. And, and, and I was young at doing this traveling thing. And, and all of a sudden, she comes walking down the aisle. And she's holding her wrist. There's blood on her hands. And she comes and sits right in front of me on the platform. 
So I preached the rest of the service from this side. Because I just kept looking at her. Hey. At the end of the service, she came up to me and I said, how can I help you? And I said, what's going on? And she said, sir, I don't know who you are and I don't even know what you preach. But I do know this. I was driving to a field and I was had already begun to cut my wrist. I was going to bleed out in a field and let my family find me later. But as I was driving in front of this church tonight, there was, there was as if he was a police officer guiding, directing traffic. Jesus was standing in the middle of the, in the, in the middle of the road and he stepped in front of my car and told me to turn in. And by the time I got down here, he's already healed my wrist. And sir, I don't want to die anymore because if he'll interrupt my car, if he'll stop me in the middle of traffic and say, come in here, I want to know who he is and I don't want to die. Somebody praise him. God can do more in a matter of moments than life can take away from you for years. God has the power. Show me a person who worships in private and I'll show you somebody who needs very little counseling. Talking about a personal God tonight. Matthew chapter 5 verse 5 he, he said this uh, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are no more no less that's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought I love that it says you're blessed when you're content this is the beatitude promises blessed it, it talks about the blessings hey, can you imagine going to the mailbox and reaching into the mailbox and there's an invitation inside of there and it's made from the richest and finest of paper and there's a seal on it that says only can be broken by you. You're the only one that can break the seal. And as you're looking at that invitation made on this very expensive heavy weighted paper and you're holding it and you're wondering, I wonder what this could be. And it's as you open it and you pull a card out, all of a sudden you hold it up and it says an invitation for an audience of one with the king. And you're looking at it. And you're wondering why, why, why me? And it says, come immediately. Show no one this. And it's an invitation to leave the busyness of the world. It's an invitation. This is the Lord, but stuff God spoke to me today sitting on a plane. It's an, to leave the noise of the culture, the voices of despair, the growls of the pundits, the whining of the disenchanted, the gaps of the religious, and the roars of the ambitious. It's a call to go back to a place that you used to visit, but for some reason you've forgotten about. Would you watch this video that my team made today? Because God's going to move. Just watch this. Preaching about an audience of one.
that when God comes near, it changes everything. I can't tell you how many times I've stepped out to do something or make a decision for ministry or our family. And then I'll have a prayer time and God says, no, what are you doing? It's not what I had planned for you. But when God comes near, it begins to change everything. It is as if time stands still. You suddenly step out of this world into a Kairos time. A time that God put together that is not a normal time. It's the Acts 17 where it talks about it has been appointed time for every person on earth. It's a time that is different from the, the time on our watch. It's something that God has had planned. You're not an oops. You're not an accident. You've been put here for a certain moment at a certain time. It's that moment when every Everything changes. Your life comes into focus. Oh, that's why I went through that. Oh, that's why I've dealt with the things I've dealt with. Suddenly, he brings understanding to you. It is a transformation of thinking. At the moment when God comes near, and he did it to me two weeks ago on a Sunday night, when I came up here just to share about our ministry before the offering was taken, and suddenly, it was if I felt I was here for three hours, but it was a moment where the heavens opened up. I've never had it happen. I'm, I'm ashamed to say it's never happened to me like that before. Thousands of services. But it was a moment. I looked down at Pastor and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Because it was one of those moments. It was a transform. It's, it's maybe it's what Moses felt like when God says, hey, hey, Moses, I'm going to put you back here in this rock real quick. And then I'm going to pass by. And after I pass by, you're going to see the hinder parts of God. You're going to see the backside of God. And when you do, with all the trail of flames, with all the glory, get ready. Because Moses, from that point on, you're going to be able to write about in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and if you look back there he said i'm going to show you everything i'm going to allow you to write five books about things you don't even know about but if you'll just look at me if you'll wait on me to pass by i'll give you knowledge of yesterday today and tomorrow give god a praise offering One of my favorite parts is Moses, what Moses writes about when he says he was the most humble of all men. (laughs) He wrote that about himself. That's awesome. I think about Abraham when God says, come here, son. You're always choosing flesh over spirit, boy. Let's go for a walk. Look at the sand. So shall your descendants be. Look at the stars. So shall your heavenly descendants be. It's that... It's that encounter when God comes near, it changes everything. Jacob, who was a deceiver, stole his birthright, always at war, getting to go meet his, getting ready to go meet his brother, about to have, I mean, it's about to be Hatfield and McCoy's, they're about to throw down, and then, and then God says, wake up! We wrestle tonight. We're gonna wrestle till you walk away limping. And when you walk away limping and scarred because you've been through some things, I'm going to change your name. Where no longer will you be known as deceiver, but you'll be known as Israel. You'll be the one that is my beloved. But the first thing I got to do is wake you up and have a little wrestling match. It's one of those encounters. If you haven't wrestled with God, you've not really been a Christian very long. It's David. He understood it. David understood it. Uh, I think it was Ian Bounds or Spurgeon or somebody said that the, the, the greatest thing that, I, that he loved about David was that God gave him the ability to desire to repent. I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy that will say, hey, I'm sorry. 
And then David could write in Psalms 84. He could write it down. One day spent in your house, this beautiful place of worship beats thousands spent on the Greek island beaches. I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God than be honored as a guest in the palace of sin. It's an understanding that when God comes near, what if tonight on this Friday night he walked through the back door? What if he rubbed past you as you're sitting in your pew? What if something changed inside of you? John the Baptist understood this as he began to decrease that Christ might increase as he understood he was the Elijah, which means judgment. And Jesus was the Elisha, who's the, and Elisha means salvation. He understood and he would declare it in John 134. I've seen and I testify this is God's chosen one. The Messiah means the anointed one. That's why I've called this message an audience of one. I don't want to be around people that can open doors for me anymore. I don't want to be around somebody that can talk about and help me. I don't want to be around people that might be able to finance the vision. Put me in a room with the audience of one who owns a cattle on the hill. Put me in a room with somebody that has the power to change the universe. Somebody that's engraved my name on their hand and at the same time can span the universe with the width of his hand. I'm talking about an audience of one maybe it's the way the disciples felt when he made his rounds and said hey put those nets down boy come with me can you imagine the king of the universe walking up to you going that's yesterday's job let me go make you a fisherman of men. It's an understanding. It's what Zacchaeus must have felt like when he said, hey, <laughs> little man, get out of the tree. Because I'm the tree of life. It's an understanding. Maybe it's blind Bartimaeus when he screamed out, Jesus came through town. And on his way back out, Jesus, son of David. Blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, blind Bartimaeus, son of the traitor is what that means. Have mercy on me. Jesus turns. Maybe it's Levi when he said, come here, businessman. I'm going to rock your world. Then we're going to have a convention of business people and we're going to touch their world. It's an understanding. And maybe it's Nicodemus who came to him and Jesus said in John 3, 19, the wind bloweth wherever it pleases. You may hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. So is everyone born of the Spirit. It's an understanding. I just, maybe when I get to heaven, I'll rent the video on these encounters because maybe, maybe it's the, maybe it, it's, it's the woman at the well who, who, a Samaritan who, 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 is out there and he comes up and it's an awkward situation. You better leave quickly, sir. Your reputation is at stake. I serve a God that will walk into a prostitution house. And he'll walk into a cathedral. He doesn't care about that garbage. But Jesus can look at her in that one moment in an audience of one. Disciples go shopping. Go get us some groceries. I'm about to have an encounter with somebody. I'm going to teach her how to get something to drink, but she's going to leave. She's going to leave with a full vessel and an empty bottle. He said, now watch. She's going to run back into town and let them know I have found the one. I wish you'd get excited. 
Look what he said in John chapter 4. Look right here. He's talking about worshiping. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. This is that whole scripture, worship in spirit and truth. Look, look, look. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. He's looking for you. Look for those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. I love that. You know what? Put me around a children's church that nobody sings in tune. Nobody knows what they're doing, but they're just singing deep and wide, deep and wide as I found. And put me around a children's church. I'm so tired of being in high church where everybody sounds perfect. Put me around somebody that can't even sing, but they got a heart to cry out to the Savior because they know God is sheer. Look what it says. And honestly, themselves before him in their worship, God is sheer being itself. God is sheer being itself spirit those who worship him must do it out of their very being their spirits their true selves in adoration that means take off your little religious look and how you hold your hands so everybody can see you there's a moment where you suddenly find yourself just just i gotta i gotta i gotta i gotta have i gotta have i gotta have hey gee, hey i don't care about nothing people he told me come and preach you want to win a city have an audience of one. Let him come and sit in this house on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Let him walk into your bedroom. Let him be sitting there when you go home at night, when you get off work and you collapse on the bed. He'll be sitting there. He'll talk to you. He says, I want an audience of one. Are you? I'm talking about an interruption of your now that forever changes your life. An invitation for the audience of one. Not just one. The one. My father, who's my hero, and I can't wait for Father's Day on Sunday to call him and say, you're my hero. He got it. I didn't understand it for years. Come from a horrible drug life, out of a horrible culture, and then God puts him in those little churches that are good for one thing, the making and the breaking of a man of God in East L.A., East Lower Alabama. And he moves from the north to the south, and that's just civil war right there. And 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 all of a sudden, he's pastoring these little churches that everybody in the churches is 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 is, is they're all kin. Their family trees a bonsai, and. I mean, you can, they get mad, they get mad at each other, but you can't get mad at none of them. Yeah, we're not going to go there. But I can remember as a boy hearing him in the middle of the night laying in the floor, cardboard in his shoes. I'd be sound asleep and I'd hear, oh God, use me. My friends would spend the night. What's that noise? It's my dad praying. Audience of one. Can't tell you how many times in college and early ministry I'd call him and he'd say, I can't talk now, son. I'm under my desk talking to him. I would ask his secretary, how long has he been in there? She said, it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I got here at eight. And all I can hear is him wailing. See, I want that. I want that, I want that type of an anointing and that desperate. Are you getting this tonight? An audience of one, an, an audience. That's why his, his watch, his watch has an alarm on it. He wears a cheap watch with an alarm on it that goes off at about 9 a.m. every morning. And when it goes off, he turns it off and he asks himself, do I love Jesus more today than I loved him yesterday? <laughs> it's quite psychotic. 
that interruption. It's the woman with the issue of blood when she reaches out. That woman, everybody makes her sound like she's just some vagrant. This woman knew what she was doing. She had read Psalms 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. She had read that he hit under his wings. She understood Malachi when he says, Arise up with healing in his wings because the wings is the corner of the prayer shawl. It's the talit. Jesus got dressed. He wore a prayer shawl. She understood if he's really the Messiah that's been prophesied to come, that if I touch the hem of his garment, she didn't touch the, the end of his robe. She touched his prayer life. And when she did, virtue flowed out. And there's a giant crowd pressing against him, but it was an audience of one. It was just all these people pushing around. One guy saying, my daughter's dying over here. Hey, and that's the lady I don't let come to church. And, and, and but all of a sudden he reaches, she reaches out and touches. And when she does, something happens. The world stops. It's a Kairos moment. Suddenly the whole world comes to a halt. And Jesus said, who touched me? And he looks down and there's a frail, broken down 65 pound woman with very little hair because of a blood disease. And as she stands up, he looks at her as suddenly the white in the gray leaves her and suddenly light comes into her skin. And suddenly she says, let me tell you my story. For 12 years, I've been leaking all over the place. And Jesus said, don't worry about it. Someday I'm going to leak too. See, it's an understanding that God says, I will have an encounter with you. Peter felt it as he reached out in the middle of a storm. I'm, I'm coming, Jesus. I, I'll be there in a minute. I'm going to show these boys I can walk on some water. And, 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 and these waves, he didn't tell me that if I stepped out in faith, the waves weren't going to get bigger. I thought everything would be clear, crystal clear glass sea. But now I step out and it's like the waves got mad at me. I feel myself. He's a big boy. I'm sinking. I'm sinking. I'm a fisherman. I know what these waves do. They drag you under. I'm, dry, I'm getting drug under. And suddenly a hand in the dark comes out and says, hey, audience one. Audience one. <laughs> Come on back to the Pope. Boy, he's so stupid. Come here. Audience of one. It's an audience of one. It's what God told me to preach. I'm flying on the plane here today. I looked over at two rappers that were sitting beside me and I got tears rolling down my face and they just looked at me and I said, I'm having an audience of one. True story. They said, what? I said, I'm just going after Jesus on the plane. Oh, I do. It's the woman caught in adultery. I'm going to die today. I'm going to die. The law of Moses says I have to die. Jesus, instead of leaning down and picking up a stone, he turned his finger into a giant marker. Grace! Grace! Where'd your accusers go? There are none. Audience of one. When he steps in and interrupts your accusers, everybody has to leave because he says, I'm taking over with an audience of one, audience of one, audience of one. Somebody ought to get this as an audience of one. It's an understanding. Saul felt it as he fell from the dirt, as he fell off his horse into the dirt that he was made from. And he understood. Why are you persecuting me, boy? Lord. Audience of one. John experienced it on the island of Patmos, which you called exile. God calls revelation. If he puts you on an island, it's so he can talk to you. I was praying one time and I said, Lord, I don't feel you like I used to feel you. And he said, son, it's because I've gone to another level and I'm waiting on you to get there. 
Another time I was praying and I said, Lord, I feel lonely for some reason. I'm surrounded by incredible people, my beautiful family, but I'm lonely. He said, I've locked this, the operating room door. I've locked the door. And when I do surgery, I don't let anybody in. They'll contaminate the environment. But Jesus prayed in the lonely places, the audience of one. If you look up that term lonely places, it means, it means area of land waiting to be cultured and shepherded. In other words, Jesus prayed where churches should be planted. Gotta hurry. I'm going too long already. Get closer to the one. It's a simple word. It's just so simple. But he said, what did he say in James 4 8? He said, get closer to the one. Write that down. What did he say in James chapter 4? Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify and purify your hearts, you double minded. Now there's a lot in that little verse. It's saying before I go and start approaching him, I better, I better figure out, am I going to live in two worlds? Am I going to be double-minded about this thing? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Who is the one, the one that's knocking at the heart of churches and cities? God wants to move in Houston. I'm telling you, there's going to be a, Cindy Jacobs, who I, I trust, and she's a, a prophet in America. She called me last time right after I was here. She called me one afternoon. I don't even know how she got myself. She said, I need to tell you that God's going to move. In Houston. It's been promised. It's been prophesied. He's going to move in Houston, Pat. I know that you were just there. It's going to happen. And he, somebody, I wish you'd get excited. Maybe you just, maybe, maybe you don't want to get excited tonight, but God's, God, it says, I know about your city. It's what he says in Revelation 3.20. I read it. I preached it to you last time I was here. He said, hey, look, here I am. I'm at the door. I'm knocking. If you hear my, hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down and have to supper with you, audience of one. Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my father. That's the gift to the conquerors. <laughs> he said, it's a gift to those that overcome. It's the conquerors. The one desires intimacy with you. It's Psalms 148, verse 13. Let them praise the name of God. It's the only name worth praising. His radiance exceeds anything in earth and sky. He built a monument. His very own people. Praise from all who love God. Israel's children. Intimate friends of God. He can fix a broken heart. He can take a man that has been wounded and harmed by a fatherless spirit and restore him. He has the power to heal a generation that has grown up murdering their friends in abortion. I was praying the other day and the Lord said, Pat, do you know why I hate abortion so bad? He said, not only is it killing my child, but they're interrupting that baby's destiny and they're in the secret place and I'm talking to them when they're in there. That's why he says we have to go back to the secret place because he still has a knitting knee but we get we come out of the womb the place where we knit us together psalms 139 and we forget that i he still wants us in the secret place he said but i hate abortion pat so badly because they interrupt our conversation he told me i'm talking to the baby and they're interrupting my conversation and taking the future you're not getting this an audience of one you better get we must get organic what does that mean Without Jesus, we can't produce anything. John 15, verse 5. I'm the vine, you're the branch. When you join with me, I with you. Audience one. The relation, intimate and organic. 
The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood. Gathered up, thrown on the bonfire. But if you'll make yourselves at home with me, audience of one, my words are at home in you. Audience of one, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon when you have an audience of one. It's Isaiah 58. He said, I'll repair the cities. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build a new, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins. What do you mean, Pat? It's Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, audience of one, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Audience, give God a praise offering across this house. Oh, I, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I've already gone long yet. It's not my fault. It's a new sermon. I don't know how long it goes. Sorry. I've been preaching youth camps. They're louder than you. Can I ask you something? When's the last time you saw him? What's obstructing your vision? It's the beatitude promise. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's it. You can't see him if you're watching everything else. Are you going to get legalistic? No. No. But look what it says in Matthew, the fifth chapter, the Beatitude promise. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Audience of one. You haven't had an encounter with him lately because of what you're looking at. You can't see him. He's in the room. He's always in the room. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's right there. But because of what you're watching, you've forgotten Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. Be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He said, I'm, I need you to understand. I want to send you out. I want to do things with you, but you can't even see me and I'm only in from you blind Christians leading other blinds into the ditch wandering around and God's here where I don't know because of what I've been watching blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God you haven't felt him in Psalm in a while and he's right next to you because you have a wall of religion up and he already tore that wall he already created that wall ripped it down the middle on the cross he already tore the six foot wall of separation called the holy of holies and he said my body is now opened up to you as the holy of holies you can enter in through me is what Hebrew says and what you don't understand is God is saying I'm right here the door's open here's my back step into it and get your healing here's my front step into it and get your heart healed he said you have the power to know me but the problem is we have a generation that can't experience or feel him because we're so busy bathing ourselves in the world every week looking at garbage, talking trash, doing all this stuff and he said if you don't have a pure heart you can't see me I'm there I haven't gone anywhere but you've got blinders on I love what Sir Francis Drake said disturb us oh lord when we're too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we dream too little, when we arrive safely because we've sailed too close to the, sh- to the shore, disturb us, O oh Lord. We don't dream anymore because dreaming requires taking a step of faith and you can't have faith 
When you've been frozen in the same spot for years, worshiping the same way for years, not having an audience of one, you're having an audience of yesterday. You're having an audience of what you used to do. When God says, come a little closer, I'm new every morning, audience of one. Are you willing to walk into the room, walk past uh, uh, those that are fainted with heart, go walk past those with low expectations, those with religious disbelief, rowdy, false interpreters. Are you willing to go past and get to that place of brokenness? I love what Adrian Rogers said. He said, men throw away broken things but God can only use you if you're broken that's why it says in Corinthians he takes his treasure and puts it in a broken down char of clay it's an understanding that God says I'll put my spirit inside of you it's that process of an audience of one show me, show me somebody that's not broken and I'll show you somebody that has an audience of two and an audience of three and an audience of four and advisors around the table but broken people they know what it's like to sit in an audience of one because when God speaks it breaks you he breaks the bread and reveals himself to you somebody give him a praise and then there was the girl with the broken past I feel I must fulfill prophecy for just a moment I'm going to fulfill prophecy in fact we're commanded to not forget this particular girl He didn't say that about Peter. He didn't say it about Paul. Didn't say it about Philip. The red evangelist didn't say it about Luke. The writer of the book of Acts. There's only one person in the Bible that Jesus said, remember her. She became an unlikely participant in the burial of a king. Maybe she understood what it says in Matthew 5 verse 10. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Next time you're complaining about how you're being treated, won't you read God's word and realize it takes you deeper? I got to close. Pastor, he told me this morning, I said... I said, I, because I so honor you, I, I want to be careful of what's going on here. I said to my dad on the phone, I said, I don't want to mess this up. You know what he said? You won't if you'll stay pure. That's what he said. Thanks. He said, the only thing that messes up moves of God is when men become about men. Mark the 14th chapter. Let me read this to you and I'll hurry. It says, Now the Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. How many of you know Christians hate to be interrupted when they're eating? While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table of the home of a man known as Simon the leper, who most likely was Judas's father. It's just a theory. A woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now get ready. Because verse 4 is critical. And some of those present were saying indignantly to one another. I think these people were in my church. Hold on. Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. 
I've learned that whenever somebody gets ready to be so bold as to break against the norm, the voices start talking. And some of you, God wants to use, but you, you don't even, you've, you've never read the story of David. <laughs> David, nobody believed in David. His own brother, Eliab, which later become his general, looks at him and says, where are you? Where's those few sheep you pastor? Where's your little church? Whenever you get ready to step, people cannot handle when you make up your mind to not go with the crowd, but separate yourself and say, you know what? I've got an audience of one over here. I need to come over. I love y'all. Y'all go have, y'all go have fun. Go do your thing. I know we're supposed to eat after every service, but I know, but I need to go pray because something happened to me tonight in service that I don't want to lose. I'm tired of losing it, getting it on Sunday and losing it on Monday and acting like hell on Wednesday. He said, it's that change of a mindset. It's that where you begin to say, wait a minute, I can't be critical spirit. People do not understand being a giver and a blesser. They don't get it. They don't understand it. They're stuck. They love, they, they'll they tithe. I mean, they'll tithe because that they get the law, but they don't understand the over and above. They don't understand taking a step farther. You know, that sowing and reaping thing, it's kind of out there. They, they, they've not learned the power of sacrifice. And, and this young lady did not fit in. Her past kept her from being known as a good person. Her past declared it. I believe, and John 7 talks about it. I believe this girl is not only the sister of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, or excuse me, Martha and Lazarus, but also I, I believe that she most likely was Mary Magdalene. And so you got that's just what I believe. And so this girl didn't fit in. And you know, have you ever not fit in? Karen and I pastored for years at churches, and they were large churches, and they were great churches, and they were missions churches, and they were well-known churches. But we would come home from service and say, are we just weird? We're hungry, but it's like nobody else around us is. Maybe we were just narcissist kids at the time. Maybe that's what it was. I just didn't want to spend my life doing normal church. I'm sorry. It's just not part of my anointing. And and and, and what you got to understand is... Uh, a crowded room waiting with the one. Go to me. Go with me to this room. In this room are disciples. They're sitting around a table. Jesus is at the center of the room. There's Pharisees. And actually, this is a setup meeting. They're trying to find some way to get their hands on Jesus and kill him. So it's a room full of winks and nods. Everyone is looking for the opportunity. And outside the door, there's more Pharisees and servants watching the event. And I'll deal with them in just a moment. Martha's there. She's serving. She hasn't learned the, quite learned the joy yet of just sitting in his presence. It, and, and although Martha's the one that goes and sees Jesus when her brothers die, you know, Mary's at home. They're crying. And, and then he says, Mary, uh, Martha, where's Mary? And, and, and John 11 and Mary goes, well, she's at home. She's mad. Because she thought you should have come and saved Lazarus. He said, I'm going to stand here till I, till she comes. In other words, Jesus said, I can't get closer to your dead brother because it's not the stench of death that I'm waiting on I me. Mean, it's the stench of religion. Tell her to get here. And we're going to walk together and we'll go resurrect him. But she has no right to be mad. I mean, same thing he said in John 7 to John the Baptist. Blessed is the man who is not offended in me. It's a man's world. It's not equal rights. 
And inside this pivotal, most important meeting of Jesus' life, they're trying to trick Jesus. Looking for any mistake, any reason. They're in the room with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the maker of the universe, the maker of Pat, the maker of all life. The, and, and yet they're, they're trying to trick him. And, and it reminds me of sometimes when I hear people try to describe theology. There's a lot of theologians that aren't saved. And they're so open-minded, their brains have fallen out. And, 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 but no one notices a young woman standing close by. They're saying, we're going to get him tonight. They don't see her standing outside the room a little bit. And they're whispering, we're going to get him tonight. We're going to trick him. We're going to kill him tonight. We, this is our night. We are going to trick him. We're going to make him do blasphemy. We're going to make him commit the ultimate sin. We're going to, we're going to, this is our night. But what they don't understand is this little girl's in love with him. And not an, an awful love, not a weird love, not a romantic love, a love for a savior, a love for a king, a love for a master that set her family free, rescued her brother out of the claws of death. See, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden she's standing there and she hears them talking and she says, I got to tell him, I got to warn him, I got to, I, I know what I'll do. I'll go get my dowry. I'll go get my alabaster jar made up. And inside of it, it's worth 300 denarii. I'll go get the most expensive perfume, which was worth money. My dowry. And she takes off and she runs out. And not, she gets to the house. She digs through the drawer. She, there it is. She, she picks it up and she tucks it. And she goes running to the door. When she gets to the door, nobody notices her. I know what I'll do. I'll get to him and I'll whisper, get out of here. Jesus. Run. Please run. Please, please run. And suddenly when she walks in the room, this girl with a horrible past, she goes, she's got her box. She looks at him. And as she looks at him, as soon as she steps in the door, what was going to be an, a sacrifice became an offering. Suddenly she walks past these men, steps over their feet, and they are silent. You intruder, what are you doing here? And they're silent. She's climbing over them. And next thing you know, she finds herself at the feet of Jesus. Listen to me. And as she gets to the feet of Jesus, suddenly, for some crazy reason, she smashes the box. And the oil begins to flow. And the aroma fills the room. When you start sacrificing in front of others, everybody's going to smell it. Everybody's going to see it. Everybody's going to know what's going on. When you start praising, when nobody else is praising, when you do what nobody else will do, when everybody else is reclining, and all of a sudden the aroma filled the room because it was an audience of one. And when you start giving to God and sacrificing your life, she slaps her hands in the oil, and the room comes unglued. They are appalled at this filthy little girl. Who does she think she is? And now she finds herself at the feet of of Jesus weeping opposites attract the one this girl lived in opposites those of you that don't feel very worthy opposites attract the one I I, I gotta hurry I gotta get this to you because you gotta get this she lived in opposites the very hair that she used to seduce men with was now used to wash his filthy feet 
Her eyes that used to invite men in so she could make a living were now weeping at his feet. Her hands used to caress people's bodies were now used to wash his feet. Her lips used to speak seductively were now kissing his feet. And the Bible says it was past tense because Simon said this dirty woman. He was speaking of her past. I found out every time you start to step into a new anointing, somebody will remind you of your yesterday. But all you got to do is rise up, look up at the one and he'll give you your tomorrow because I'm here to tell you something some of you have a tough time but I can't wait till beggars come in this place and three months later they're up here preaching the gospel as eloquent and powerful as God heals their mind it is time for a restoring of the broken God can do in 30 seconds what a rehab center tries to do for 30 years in your life. He has the power to set you free. And all of a sudden, they all, she's washing his feet with her tears, and they start screaming at her. And Jesus, I love what it says in verse 9, leave her alone! Jesus wasn't some little sissy. I guarantee he had some biceps, some guns. He's a carpenter. From Nazareth, blue collar town, wrong side of the tracks. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? You interrupt, you're interrupting my audience of one. <laughs> you're interrupting my moment with my girl that I set free. You're interrupting the moment with a young lady that I called daughter. You're interrupting somebody that I'd rather talk to all day long than you stuffed up religious punks sitting around here thinking you know something and somewhere along the way you decided you didn't want to be baptized in John's baptism and therefore you're living in some old wineskin that doesn't work anymore. He said, leave her alone. She's had an encounter with me. She knows who I am. She's sat at my feet. She's walked beside me. What she has done is a beautiful thing. The poor, you can always have them with you. You can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told. You know what he did? He took something that none of you would even talk to. She looking at my husband. He took somebody that you, that we would all just kind of go, bless you, sweetheart. You, you're going to be all right. And he said, you know what I'm going to do with her? I'm going to make her a part of my gospel message. I'm going to make her part of the good news that I can take somebody that shouldn't be used and have an audience of one. Oh, you ain't getting this. You ain't getting this. You ain't getting this. Who had, who was in his audience of one? Who was in his audience of one? I'll tell you in just a moment. Just watch this for a second and I'll be done. There was three people in the room. But let me tell you about who was in the audience of one. Watch this. I asked my team to pull out this old drum. Just watch this.
our worship team. Who was in the audience of one? There was three people. There was the Pharisees. You know who they are. They're the ones that judge everything. And they'll stay up late on a Saturday night watching TV and complain how long a church goes on Sunday morning. <laughs> there to keep the pastor in line. That's a Pharisee. It's somebody. Second Timothy 3, 5. They have a form of God. And they say, look godly but they deny the power they're the ones that walk around with a hammer don't you get out of line second person was there's three people in the room Judas if a Pharisee has a hammer then the Judas provides the nail the Judas is the person that's willing to sell their soul for convenience after walking out of a great service. Jesus said, John, he made the statement. He said, hey, i chosen 12 of you, but one of you is a devil. In Mark 14, verse 10, and as soon as this happens, Judas is so ticked off. That he went and sold Jesus. Because Judas cannot handle audiences of one. Because in an audience of one, you can see their flaws. Jesus had said, <laughs> later he would say, though not every one of you are clean. <laughs> How can you leave the presence of God? How can you smell the aroma of his glory and still walk out, not change? I encourage you don't live your life smelling somebody else's sacrifice. And then the third person in the room, this is it. Mary. Who's Mary? They're the ones that don't have to be seen. They're the broken vessels. Judas would sell him for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a wounded slave, and he'd end up getting an old pottery filled with broken vessels. The blood of Jesus brought, bought broken vessels. You know who Mary is, don't you? Don't, don't. Pastor, you want me to sing? Okay. They may not even be the best voice, but when they sing, They're the first ones there, the last ones to leave. They'll clean up somebody else's mess and never even look up from the broom. They're just happy to be there. But Pat, why does it say in Mark chapter 14, verse 9, wherever the gospel is preached, what she has done will be remembered forever? Because of the one in the garden. That's it. What do you mean? Remember, um, the average man took a bath every 21 days in the Bible days. And 
So we know what would happen to Jesus right after this experience. Then he would go and have the Last Supper. Then he would be, well, first he would have the, the triumphal entry. And the very people that were praising him one day were cursing him the next. And, and uh, that's why I pray all the time. I pray, Lord, I just want to be a donkey you can ride in on. That's what I want to be. That donkey didn't think anybody was throwing stuff down for him. And shortly at the end of that week, we know he would have the Last Supper. The whole time he still smelt of the aroma of very expensive perfume. And we know what would happen then. We know that they would come and take him away and they would abuse him and they would beat him. And they would smell the aroma on their hands as they beat him. We know that he would carry the weight of the world on his shoulders and sit in a cell in sewage up to his knees. And then they would rip his flesh off. And that, man, that, that soldier that was tearing the flesh off him I could probably smell the smell. We know that he would be crucified. We know that the thieves could probably smell the aroma. But why would she be remembered forever, Pat? We know that he would rise from the dead within within three days. And we, we understand all that. We understand the scourge and we understand everything. But why does it say, Pat, that she'll be remembered forever? Because on the morning of his resurrection in John 20, verse 15, the Bible says that as Jesus was resurrecting, He's in the metamorphosis. As he's resurrecting, it yet to be to go see his father. And all of a sudden, she walks into the garden and she sees an empty tomb and she is startled. He let her have an audience of one that no one else got. She's looking around and she says, where is he? She's ticked off now. She's not timid no more. She's ticked. You done messed with the wrong woman. Something done happened to her. She's already experienced a Beth burial, a burial, and she's about to have a resurrection. Don't mess with a woman that's resurrected. She's not meek and mild and worried about her history anymore because why? She's already been washed by the blood of the cross. Something happened at the cross that set her free from her past. You ain't getting this yet. Why even look back? He don't remember it. Why should I? He sits upon the mercy seat. The blood flows over the mercy seat. If he sits on the blood and our sins is under the blood, he can't even see my sins. She walks in there. Bible says but when and when Peter got to the tomb there was an angel at the head and the feet. Why? 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 Why were they sitting down? Why were the angels sitting down? Because on the Ark of the Covenant they had to stand guard. But once mercy was released, their job was over, they could sit down. And the Bible says that all of a sudden, where is he? Thinking him to be the gardener, which we know he was, because Genesis 2 says Adam was the gardener and Jesus was the second Adam. In other words, when you resurrect, you go back to your original purpose. And so, all of a sudden, when you finally get free, people won't see you for who you used to be. They'll, they won't recognize you. Thinking him to be the gardener, Adam was the gardener. Genesis chapter 2, Jesus was the second Adam. And she says, where is he? And all of a sudden, he goes, Mary. Rapunzel. Audience of one <laughs> teacher. She reaches out and touches. Don't touch me. She'd either, if she'd have touched him, she'd either died instantly or live forever. She would have stepped into a different realm. But why is she remembered forever? Stand with me. Stand up. Stand up. He's about to move. Because six months after Jesus would ascend into heaven the disciples would go out and preach the gospel and they would be martyred for him in the middle of James standing up and preaching in the middle of Simon Peter preaching in his little town spreading the gospel all of a sudden all of a sudden they somebody say hey, psst, hey did anybody see him resurrect yeah her name's Mary She was the witness. 
to an audience of one. He told me. He told me tonight. The audience of one. He told me. On the flight this morning, he said, you tell Don. here will be very different because it will be about restoring intimacy and winning the lost what if Abby told us she said I saw a homeless man under a bridge today what if, what if that fella maybe he's not right maybe he's just down on his luck this economy Our 71 minute church services across America it's kind of hard to squeeze an audience of one <laughs> that'll kind of mess everything up and then we can't brag about four services and... what if anybody been feeling wasted lately why this waste of perfume Anybody been tired lately? Raise your hand. I bet this girl was exhausted. Is anybody desiring an encounter with God more than anything else? If that is you, raise both hands now. An audience of one. Where you don't really care if it's not time to go to the altar because they haven't given the call yet. But I just got to get to it. I can't do it anymore. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put an imaginary box around you right now, right where you're at. Just put a box around you. Nobody else exists in the whole world. But with that box around you, welcome to the confession booth. Where you don't have to talk to a priest because we have a high priest. And God is saying right where you're standing, I will enter into your box so we can break the box. So we can pour it out. Right where you're standing, he's saying, I'm going to take you for a walk. Every eye is shut across this place. If you say, Pat, I've not had a pure heart. That's why I haven't seen God. And I need God to purify my mind and my heart and my body and cleanse me and of all my sin. Lift your hand high quick. We're going to do this. You say, I've, I, put your hands down. Yeah, we're going to do this first. God said, just told me to do this. He said, there's people that will see me for the first time if they'll repent right now. They will get free. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And he says, if you want to see me, ask me for a pure heart. Ask me to forgive you. Ask me to be Lord and Savior. If you have, if you need him to purge you right now, and you've got this man, there's just, uh, you just covered in stuff. Raise your hand now. Raise it up high. 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 Raise the other hand. You just put yourself on the cross. Pray this out loud. Everybody in the house with me because we got to get to this next level. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall have an audience of one. Forgive me. Cleanse me, change me, 
I want to see you, Jesus. I want to see you. I'm ready. Be my Lord. Take me to an audience of one. I dare you to come and find him. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you if you're 90 years old or nine years old to come down and find an audience of one. I dare you. I dare you. You can do it right there in your pew. I don't care. It don't bother me. It's an audience of one night. It's a night where God begins to do surgery on you, begins to repair you because you, you can't do it anymore. You've been trying to come on, come on down. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Get on your face. Come on. There's an audience of one, but I want you to shut everybody else out. Don't worry about who's around you. It's an audience of one, audience of one, audience of one, audience of one, audience of one. God says, I want you to enter into my sphere. It's a Kairos moment. Everything stops around you. What was spoken over you and as a child is broken. He says, come have an audience of one with me. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, you can sit down right where you're at. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Tonight's different. We're not laying hands on anybody tonight. We're not. Well, you know what? Have an audience of one. He might even heal your body if you'll step into his presence. Audience of one, audience of one, audience of one, audience of one. Thank you for listening. We pray that this word would sit in your spirit and transform you. For more information or to become a covenant partner with Mercy Seat Ministries and Evangelist Pat Karen Chatsline, you can log on to www.mercyseatministries.com.